What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got a fascinating guest in store for you today. But of course, first we have uh, a little section from my book, Everyday Awakening, uh, and let's get to that right now. So the section today is entitled, We Can Truly Help Others When We Come From a Place of Joy. Many of us are called to be in service to others, to help others heal, to support them in their growth. But there is something to be careful of when we are. For it is quite easy to use helping others to distract us from doing our own work to heal ourselves, to look at our own internal processes and to take time to care and nurture ourselves. It is quite appealing to focus on others. After all, look how much worse off they are compared to us. We know what they need. We see things so clearly for them. We want to help and we do. Yet it is easy to forget about ourselves in the process. We put our own needs to the side. We put everyone else first and ourselves last. And that is a recipe for a crash. For we cannot continue to only help others without taking care of our own needs, our own growth, our own healing. In the end, all healing is self-healing. All growth is self-growth. To be in service is a beautiful thing as long as we don't forget to fill up our own cup first and ensure that we are giving from a place of overflow rather than from a place of scarcity. A place of true inner peace and not a place of avoidance. It is seductively easy to keep our attention on others and lose our own opportunity to heal and grow. Yet when we focus on our own path first, helping others becomes easier. We have a new perspective and can see things more clearly. We can help as long as we are truly helping from a place of joy, not distraction. Can you joyfully help others? Have you filled up your own cup first? So I wrote this section of my book a while ago, and I wrote it, if I recall properly, it was out of a, a sense of observation of seeing uh, what, um, because I know a lot of healers, I know a lot of practitioners, and 
I was seeing uh, with more than a couple that they were so focused on helping everybody else that they weren't doing their own work. And, and not only weren't they doing their own work, they were like, you know, kind of letting themselves go. They started having health problems. They started having challenges uh, with, uh, you know, with with their personal life, with other things. And it really, uh, it, it became sort of, a, uh, I, I was concerned uh, of, of what was going on. And, and I talked to one of my teachers about it and, and he brought up like how, um, how easy it is to use helping others, uh, how using helping others can help us to distract uh, from, uh, from doing our own work. And then like, uh, uh, and then of course, I've, I've mentioned it many times before, I had a teacher who in, um, who was a wonderful healer, who helped others. He did a lot of great things, but he never, he didn't do his own work. And what happened because of that was um, he ended up, um, how shall I put it delicately? He ended up uh, allowing his own trauma to affect how he worked with others. And, and, and that really was kind of um, a real breaking point in, in my level of trust in him. Um, and it also though, like helped me to see so clearly that we can never stop doing our own work, that no matter how much healing we have done, there is always more layers of the onion to peel. And that really, if we're, if we're going to give to others, if we're going to dedicate our life to a life of service, of, of helping others, of, of, of being that person where other people come to, if we're not really taking care of ourselves, if we're not really making sure that we're in a good place, then we're not really going to help other people in the way they really need it. And, and here's how insidious and how challenging it can be. When we don't feel good about ourselves and we only get our self-worth from helping other people and someone comes to us and what they really need is a little bit of tough love. What they really need is someone to kind of like gently and kindly and compassionately smack them upside the head and say, what are you doing? Cut it out. You need to, you know, you know, get yourself together. But because we, we haven't done our own work, because we're coming from a place of lack, we kind of feel like, oh, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to offend this person. I don't want them to get mad at me or whatever. So instead of giving them the two by four up the side of the head, we're too kind and gentle and nice. And we're like, oh, it's okay. Everything will be fine. Just don't worry about it. And we just give them a bunch of platitudes, which isn't really what they need in the moment and isn't, doesn't really help or serve them truly. 
and this is where when it's so important to fill up our own cup first because when we feel so full when we have taken care of ourselves and we really feel good then we're not worried about what they think of us we're not concerned that they're going to be mad or angry at us if we do the right thing so then we can apply that tough love then we can be be not stern but we can be um firm with them we can be firm with our boundaries we can be firm with what's right and what's not right for us and we can say to them look i know you're having a tough time but you know that better than anyone that you're contributing to this and look at your part of this and we can and we can with more confidence with more certainty we can help them to really look at their piece of the overall relationship or challenge or whatever it is that they're dealing with but to do that when we're coming from a place of lack when we're coming from a place of uh, of not feeling like uh, you know uh, we're good enough we we can't be strong we can't be firm we can't hold ourselves in the way we need to hold ourselves to really be the person that that they need to help them to move along on their path and i know it can be challenging and i know it kind of goes against in some ways it's like oh i just want to help you know it's that it's that sense of like oh i, I just want to be there for people i just want to help but, but what i would say is if you ever hear yourself saying that to yourself if you ever feel yourself oh no i i, I just need to help this person i would take a look back and ask yourself is there anything i'm trying to avoid am i using helping someone else as an excuse not to do my own work when we can honestly answer that and say no i'm i'm not using this to avoid i'm doing this because it's truly coming from a place of joy a place of happiness a place because helping others just raises my spirit so much that there's nothing else i'd rather be doing you know then we're getting in alignment then we're coming from a place where we can truly help others and not just a place of oh i i just need to do this because it'll make me feel better oh no it's it's you know oh I, I can't look at this i can't be by myself i can't do my own stuff i i just need to 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 help them so this section of my book in particular goes out to all those people out there those healers coaches consultants people who work with people if you're listening to the show today and you're hearing this message it's for you there's a reason why you happen to tune in and you happen to hear this so i want you to really take it to heart and really consider when you find yourself 
so much looking to help others to check, to make sure that you're not trying to avoid something that you need to work on yourself. Okay, um, that's the section from my book. It is in that particular section is we can truly help others when we come from a place of joy. And you can, that's from my book, Everyday Awakening. And of course, you can get it at uh, everydayawakeningbook.com. Um, anyway, so uh, before I introduce my guests, let's take our first break. Uh, so we have our break. And when we come back, uh, I'll, I'll introduce my guest and we'll get in today's topic, which is healing for a new generation. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. And we'll be right back after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, I appreciate you all being with us today. I see loyal listener Patty uh, from Tucson. Uh, well, she's from Monroe, Washington today. Patty's always uh, someplace cool. Um, so thank you for checking in, Patty. Always uh, nice to know uh, that you're here with us today. Uh, hopefully uh, some other of our loyal listeners will, will check in today. All right. 
So now it is time for me to welcome our guest. Let me introduce him for you. It is my pleasure to welcome teacher, high priest, and healer, uh, Sadhu Da. Uh, Sadhu Da is a student of the Theravadan lineage under Master Hong Sak and Master Thanafol Pakti. He has years of experience and training with the inner door secrets of Thai Buddhist magic. After the Saruda became a Mofi in Theravadan tradition, he, he then had the privilege of studying under Rinpoches and Lamas from the Bampo Tibetan lineage, where he became a Lama through initiation. In continued learning, he's now a formal student in the Mao Shan sect of Taoism under the high priest Yang in Malaysia. With careful practice and plenty of devotion, Sadhu Da became a high priest in a Wiccan coven studying under Jeffrey Duell in Norse magic, became a master hypnotist under the guidance of the Shambhala Institute. Sadhu Da is a passionate practitioner in Hukyen Chan and a, a Sechem level Reiki master among many other titles. Through a love of learning and a studious approach, Sadhu Da has undergone the ritual rites and testing of many traditions and customs. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Saduda. Remember to unmute yourself. Yeah. I clicked on mute, but then it muted itself. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. How are you doing today? Uh, a little bit tired, but hey, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the honesty. Um, <laughs> So uh, I have to tell you, you know, Theravadan, uh, uh, people in the Theravadan tradition are always of special, uh, um, uh, always hold a special place for us here on, on talkradio.nyc because the founder of the network became a Theravadan monk and he is off in the uh, forests of Malaysia meditating every day. Well, the... I'd say, you know, be, because of the background that I came from, I, I, I grew up in like, if I'm just being completely blunt, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of gang violence, a very Ooh. ghetto area. And, uh, you know, I was a poverty kid and that's just what it was. Uh. And everybody always wanted something from you or was trying to get one over on you or mm -hmm. was scheming in some way. And when I first met Master Thanafo Pakti, this was the first man in my life I'd ever met that wanted to give me something and didn't want to take anything in return. Wow. And that is what really started me down this whole path like a decade ago was when I met a monk at a temple in the middle of nowhere in Texas of all places. And oh, in Texas, I was curious, like, where did you meet a terrified monk here in the States? <laughs> yeah, he was in, uh, in Colleen, Texas, um, okay. at a, a sister temple, uh, Wat Pasamake. And he, he just, you know, he, he spoke to me as if I was an equal, um, mm. where, you know, it's no secret that, you know, certain cultures around the world have, you know, stereotypes and, and um, right. ways of treating other people. And that's, that's universal. Well, right. because of all of the tattoos and the hair and everything, um, when I went to go and check out this temple, uh, some of the, some of the Asian families there were like, Hey, you know, they went up and told the monks, like, there's, there's a sketchy, you know, mm -hmm. scary man, you know, with tattoos and he's skulking around the temple. And, it's not at all what was happening. I was just 
you know, looking around. And uh, so they went and they told the monks this. And as you know, with the Theravadan culture, um, the monks are like celebrities. You know, if you can yeah. get FaceTime with a monk, like that's kind of, yeah. you know, every, everybody wants that. And, uh, and, and so I'm just walking around and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, this, uh, this like big clay, like Somdesh Pra, like, you know, the Buddha on a stupa, like this, mm-hmm. this amulet in front of like this statue. And I'm like looking at these different things. And I'm like, just kind of didn't know anything about them. And this monk comes up to me and he's just talking to me casually, telling me some of the stories, some of the culture, the history and everything, and just very open-ended. And I was learning some stuff. And then these people who originally told the monks that I was this sketchy, you know, kind of like predatory type guy, uh, come up and they want to, they want to, they want to talk to Master Thanafo because they see him talking and engaging with me. Mm. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like you, you, you made a judgment about this man. You said, mm. you know, he was this and that. And, you know, I've come to talk to him and I find that, you know, he's perfectly fine young gentleman. And, and, you know, you, you made a judgment. And so you can go over there. You can wait to talk to the other monks, but I'm, I'm giving my time to this man right here. And mm. so it was just that for the first time in my life, not, having to feel like there was some sort of scheme being run or like, uh, you know, I I was going to have to pay something in some way and that there was no judgment, there were no barriers. And it was just me openly, honestly connecting with another human Mm. being and receiving in a way I'd never received before. That's what started me down this path. Wow. And, And what was it that got you to go to the temple in the first place? Like, why did you even like, you know, go and take a look because normally someone in that kind of situation, if you're involved with gangs or like other stuff, it's like you wouldn't even go anywhere near a temple. Well, the honest truth is mm-hmm. I'd heard from someone, you know, that like they had some cool sculptures and and things of that nature around mm-hmm. around the place. And I was bored and I had like nothing to do at the time. And I just <laughs> kind of said, hey, you know, like, let's go check it out. It was not uh, me trying to embark on a spiritual quest. It was, it was uh, not some, some trying to like discover myself. No, I, I was, I was genuinely just bored, bored. and <laughs> I wanted to go look at some cool art. <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's cool. You know, and that's perfect because that's the way spirit works, right? It, it, it's when we're, these little uh, points of, of, of where we at that that spirit kind of gets in there and just gives a little nudge one place and so we show up and then it can completely change the course of our life so so you went there you had this experience with the monk kind of like treats you with respect probably the first time you ever felt respected in your life and and it got you curious so then what happened from there what what how, take, take us along just at least the the, the broad sketch of like, how did you go from being, uh, you know, just curious about this stuff to like really diving in deep with both feet? You know, it, it, it when I think back on it now, it, it feels like it all happened so fast. Uh, you know, I ended up opening a door that day mm. and that door that I opened led me to, to meet, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, my, my, my Sifu and Fukyong Chuan, it led me to meet, you know, this Lama and, and this Rinpoche, it, you know, it led me to meet Master Pong Sok through Master Thanafo. 
I went on so many different adventures and journeys in it. And it all, it was like, it was like kind of like follow the white rabbit, you know, mm. um, it, it, it all started with me just like blindly following this monk. There was, there was something about oh. master Thanafold where mm. at that point in my life, you know, I, I just said, you know what? I don't know what this man has, but he has something I want and mm. I'm going to follow him. So I, I pledged myself to him like pretty really? much from the get-go and then we ended up reuniting like a year later something like that and um but that seed had already been planted and i ended up meeting you know some other teachers along that way and then when i reunited with him it was that that's when i became his uh his his apprentice right and so um uh, now that I'm wondering, like that must have not been very easy because I imagine you were, you were in a certain culture at the time. I mean, your friends or your associates at the time, they must have given you a hard time about that or no? I disappeared. I oh, dropped out of everyone's lives around me. Um, some people thought I was dead. Others thought uh, I was locked up. Um, uh, yeah, I just that's interesting. fully so devoted just myself. Cut yourself off. And was there anything about like going in that direction and following that path that was at the time very challenging for you? Yeah. Um, the biggest part, and you know, it's kind of like funny what you were talking about earlier from your book. Mm. Um, the hardest thing I ever had to do was I had to face myself. Yeah. Uh, I had to face my trauma. I had to, I had to face, you know, who, I wanted to be was different from who I felt like I was. Mm. And I had to shift through healing work, that mm. feeling of inadequacy, that feeling of, of hatred against the world, that feeling of not being enough mm. to self-love. Mm. And that was the, that was the biggest journey out of yeah. all the miles I've traveled out of everything I did. That was the biggest journey I had to make. No. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure that is hard, especially when you're coming from sort of a kind of background where you probably felt neglected. You were you, you were, you know, used to people who always got an angle and was trying to get something from you. So you end up trying to get something from everyone else. Um, so, yeah, to kind of shift all that and shift that perspective into one that's a kind, more gentle to ourselves, more loving uh, must have been a, a, a bit of a challenge. And so, um, and, and so you said you, you reconnect him a year later and you sort of dedicated yourself with him. How long was that sort of initial period that you worked with Thanafal? About like three years, About three um, years. like a good solid three, three to four years actually, where I was, I was not working like a mainstream job and I, I just mm. followed a monk around. Mm. <laughs> No, no, you didn't become a monk yourself, did you? I briefly took on the vows just to get the experience, okay. but I mean, it's that was not more so the path that I was, uh, you, you know, dedicated to. Mm -hmm. um, I I liked learning uh, the teachings and the magic, and so I'm like what mm -hmm. they would call like a lay person with magic, or um, more properly, an ajarn. Um, because a lot of these things that some of these monks study, you know, was like directly learned 
but mm. me not being a monk um mm. i can't say that i'm a monk right but i, right, got, I right. got the experience just for a little bit briefly just to know what it was all about gotcha gotcha okay cool it's time for us to take our next break um, so when we come back, I want to talk about that magic a little bit, because, you know, we don't often think about, you know, monks who've donned their robes and they're walking around with their begging bowl for their getting their one meal a day. Um, we don't often think of that with magic, although with with in the certain traditions, we hear a lot about different magic practices. And then how did you sort of make the jump from sort of the Theravadan tradition to then becoming a Wiccan and and really getting into some more, I guess, earth-based uh, practices, I'll call them, okay? Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Sadhu Da, and we will be right back after these messages. Howdy, I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So Sadhu Da, uh, we were talking, don't forget to unmute. Uh, uh, don't forget, uh, we were talking about how, you know, you sort of dedicated yourself, you followed around this Theravadan monk, and then you started to talk about magic. So what do you mean by magic? And what, what sort of practices or what sort of things did you learn that were really magical to you? Ah, uh, Tai Wicha. So Tai Wicha is so unique in the way it was kind of culturally blended. Uh, it, it took an influence from Malaysia um, and even Burmese Nat worship 
and, um, you know, Pali Kanan from Cambodia and just all these influences of the country surrounding it. Um, back when it was uh, still Siam, pre-14th century, mm-hmm. you had this old animistic tradition, very akin to when we talk about shamanism in Native American, you know, um, right. spirituality these days, so, or, or even, you know, in C- Canadian, you know, um, shamanism mm-hmm. of, of the natives. And right. so these, these practices were deeply rooted in the people, in the culture, and generations going back but then when buddhism took shape and took over um and kind of essentially converted you know what we call thailand now you have this beautiful integration Mm. where you would you would see these these monks they would want to ultimately free people liberate them from their own suffering right through these teachings of the dhamma and, uh, and, and, and be able to help one on their own spiritual path of enlightenment um, and, and kind of breaking that wheel of reincarnation. However, not everyone's going to get there right away in a mm-hmm. lifetime, in several thousand lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And the whole root of what we have to deal with before then is suffering itself. Mm-hmm. So if we could give just a little bit of peace, just a little bit of liberation in the short term to make that journey a little less painful, a little yeah. less hard right. through, you know, like protection through like a long portoid, you know, amulet for like mm-hmm. safety when you're, when you're traveling and things of that nature, or, you know, like the, like the, pra, the prapita, which, which is uh, kind of like, will will bring blessings in your life in general what the ultimate goal is with this type of magic is it's kind of it's kind of aligning you within a certain vibration mm. so the magic itself that's poured into these amulets comes from using several hundred different types of like plants and you know holy powders that are composed of numerous different materials and you know they're 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 blessed and they're consecrated with specific you know kata these chants these mantra mm-hmm. and you know these these very intricate processes are performed to make ultimately an amulet that will have a specific function and then mm-hmm. it's believed and it's you know very commonly you know practiced in in Thailand where people will collect and wear and trade and and you know sell and uh, and have these different amulets um, to make their lives better. I mean, there's mm-hmm. even old stories of the, you know, the Thai ghost, ghost soldiers when uh, Japan tried to invade and they, you know, would shoot these, um, the, these Thai soldiers and the, and the soldiers would fall down and then they'd get back up. And oh. it was like they were bulletproof in a sense because they, they had takruts, which were, you know, special, um, you know, amulets that were made by these monks. Uh, and, and so, you know, this, it's just, wow. where do we even begin <laughs> Right. So, so, so have the, the other than the stories, have you witnessed or have you seen anything that that in your perception was beyond uh, uh, a normal reality? Yes, actually. And that is I have many stories to tell in that regard. But just one. One, one of one of the most potent is mm-hmm. um, witnessing somebody getting a, a genuine Sakyant tattoo so like this this shirt i'm wearing actually is a good example of sakyan mm-hmm. ah very intricate patterns and very intricate detail 
so they're old spells um oh. and when when they do the you know the bamboo and they're tapping in and, then, and they're chanting the kata and then they they blow the 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 power as they call it they call the magic the power so when they blow the power into it um they'll test the sakyant and so the all these sakyant have different rules depending on the mm. one you get some of them if you if you if you agree to get the certain sakyant well guess what you're a vegetarian for the rest of your life now you know or, or you know some of them have really weird um rules like you can't walk under a doorway for the first uh, 48 hours which is like oh. how do i manage that you know yeah. and so minus all that the, the weird part though was seeing this very sharp like almost like a, like a kukri blade like a, like a curved blade mm-hmm. and, and seeing them slice paper seeing them slice a watermelon and you know like this thing is like really sharp and then they they haul off and they whack the back of someone's neck right after they just got the suck on and not a mark you see a little oh. bit of redness just from where it collided on the skin but not a single cut and they only do that to test to test the power to show you the the, the power of the sakyan, um, its protection qualities. However, if you use it to show off, it's not uh, going to work. So it only sure. act the power only activates in a time of need. So if mm. someone like were to were to shoot you or or pull pull a knife on you, you know, like somewhere like the, the power of the sakyan would work. Uh, it's the mm. s- same with like Lek Lai making guns jam. Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's protection. And that's but something you, you witnessed yourself. I actually had a um, a LP Pern, uh, Lumpur Pern um, Tiger amulet. It's an invulnerability amulet that uh, I still carry with me. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, you know, been told this was like, you know, really, really powerful protection um, from dangers and harm. And I was uh, visiting my stepdad, and he had a um, he had a handgun that um, he thought he had a silencer for, but it was actually for a rifle. Mm-hmm. And so he put it on the handgun, and uh, I was testing it out. I was standing right next to him, and and I fired it, and the gun exploded in my hand, oh, wow. and uh, shrapnel shot everywhere. And my stepdad was sitting standing right next to me. And a piece of shrapnel hit his leg and there was not a mark on me and oh, wow. around in the grass, we were finding pieces everywhere. And, you know, we could say it's anecdotal. Sure. But just mm-hmm. by my own experience, I found it to be quite profound that, you know, this shrapnel was everywhere and it even hit someone right next to me but, and, and it exploded in my hand. And yet there was, there was nothing like not a scratch, mm. not a mark. I wasn't harmed at all. Mm. Wow, wow, yeah. No, that that's. I mean, when when a gun explodes in your own hand, you would expect that your hand, if nothing else, would have gotten a whole bunch of shrapnel. I was in a bit of shock. I was like, "Whoa, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that just happened." <laughs> um. So I'm curious, how did you go from from being so steeped in the the Theravadan tradition and all of these things that you learned in Thailand into Wicca. So there was, um, when I had, when I had kind of originally met, you know, Master Thanafal in in, in Texas, and I told you that the, you know, that door had been, you know, kind of opened, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I looked up like a metaphysical store around me and there was one 
um, called Akasha's Treasures. And it was run by this lady named Charlita, um, who is just an absolutely amazing and dear soul. And uh, I just have so much profound respect for her. She was the um, Wiccan coven mother. And she ran this shop out of her garage. And so I'd mm. like, I'd kind of like go by there like a little bit each day. And so, and then I, I started taking some classes with her. And then before you realize it, like I was kind of like learning two things side by side. And wow. so it was really interesting to me because I was getting this, like this very Eastern based, you know, a uh, set of teachings and, and practices and then I was getting this more westernized version of it kind of distilled down and and this is what really helped me over the years was having these different traditions that I would study and was kind of applying myself in I was able to make distinctions between them or and, and draw similarities as well and kind of start to break down you know things like magic and spirituality in a more technical manner uh, especially you know the way my mind works is it's like i'm like the kid that wants to take apart the toaster and look yeah. at it you know <laughs> so it was really fascinating right, for me right. to be able to study multiple different paths at the same time and kind of draw those comparisons between them and i will say like the taiwicha and and wicca um they have some very strong similarities but when we think of the origins of magic and spirituality mm. i mean is it really any surprise they're different flavors of the same recipe Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I imagine there must have been some very curious things. Like I've heard things about like different cultures, different indigenous cultures that we know from different parts of the earth. But then you look and they have a symbol for the exact same God. And it looks exactly the same, like in Mexico and Egypt. I forget which God it is, but there's one God that you look at the hieroglyph for it. It looks exactly the same in both places. So that it does appear that in ancient times, things are much more interconnected than we realize they were today. Awesome. Yeah. So, so before we go to break, I see Patty, loyal listener Patty has a quick question for you. She wants to know your opinion of crystal skulls, like the famous ones, Max, Max and Einstein. Hmm. You know, I, I would say that it's, it, uh, obviously there's more to it than we could possibly know mm. but what my own personal opinion and that's all it is is my own personal opinion mm -hmm. is that um it's it's some sort of artifact from another civilization mm -hmm. um now whether that be extraterrestrial or whether yeah. that be a more advanced um you know version of humanity that was before us I don't really know, but mm. I do think it it has some sort of um, technology aspect to it. Like maybe mm. it's it's kind of like in a sense like Lumerian crystals, where there there's kind of like a download that can be received from it, um, mm. similar to how how the monks will download you know the power of of um, lineages within you know a disciple or a student. Mm. I think it's something along those lines. But again, that's only my opinion. I couldn't tell you for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's fine. That's all we're asking for. Beautiful. Yeah, I've heard it said, and again, this is just what I heard from someone else, that the shape of the skull is like a container for consciousness. And so by shaping the crystal in the shape of a skull, it creates a container that allows a consciousness to sort of be housed there. So one 
possibility. Who knows? All right, it's time for us to take our last break of the show. When we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about how all the things you've learned and and how do you work with people today? And like, how does this appeal to, you're obviously a few years younger than me, like how does it appeal to a, a younger audience? And do you find that it, it's, you know, taking sort of this different approach to spirituality helps to bring in a, perhaps a different generation to, to some of these ancient traditions, okay? Okay. Awesome. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time, right here on talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Sadhu Da, um, a teacher, a healer. Um, so Sadhu, I, I'm curious, you know, you come from sort of a different generation than I do, a little bit younger. And um, do you find like these kinds of topics, these things you talk about, do they appeal to perhaps a different uh, generation of people? Uh, yeah, this is one of the things that I find to be so fascinating about being what I consider to be like in the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm in my early thirties and people older than me um, in my own experience kind of feel more settled in, in their paths or kind of have like that groove, like settled in Mm -hmm. and the people who are younger than me, it feels like they're more, the, 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 the river is wider. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're more open, but, and you know, it's, 
not an insult when I say this, but the people younger than me, this generation's coming up, while they are more open Mm -hmm. and while they are more, um, you know, sensitive uh, in in, in some regards, um, it's, it's also a thing I've noticed where it's more like sensitivity in the sense of um, like, how how do I put this? uh, Like, like almost too soft sometimes. Mm. And life itself is hardship and, and pain. And, you know, there are going to be things that offend us and not everybody is going to be um, so encouraging or helpful. And so right. there is this this kind of hardness, this leathery quality that some older generations have that the younger generations don't. And what we all need is we need that kind of medium. Right. You can't be too hard. You can't be too rigid, but you also can't be too soft. You can't be too pliable. So right. it's like, how do we how do we find this this healthy medium between these these generations? And so do you find uh, people are attracted to you because of the the different practices and sort of the different path that you've taken because you don't necessarily see a lot of people talking about Theravada and magic out there no no you don't at least at least not here in here in America um Um, a lot of people tend to be drawn to me um that have trauma it's kind of weird i'm like this like tractor beam that just sucks up like you know the horrors of you know our internal self and uh (laughs) I often will get people that come to me just broken in many ways, but they're not broken. Mm -hmm. Their, their neurology and everything is working fine. It's just Mm -hmm. screaming out, Hey, it's time to heal. It's time to grow. And they're like, you don't understand what I've been through. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because it's time to move forward and and let that go. You know, (laughs) right, right, right. I just, people tend to gravitate towards me that, um, kind of feel like they're just enough's enough or um they want to give up um i can't say that i've had a student or people in general that come to me that are like my life's great and everything's fine hi how are you sadhu da (laughs) right 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 yeah because if if everything's great then you don't really have a reason to look for something else right you're just happy where you are you end up being complacent but it's only when there's uh, some trials, some tribulations, some pain, uh, some anguish that 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 causes us to look elsewhere for something different. And and from the people that you work with these days, do you see any general trends? Do you see? Do you have any like sort of I would say general messages for anyone listening today of like, you know, things to be mindful of or or things to be more open minded about. Um. The biggest thing that I see, and I guess this could apply for the whole of humanity, is we are just ingrained um, with this whole sense of um, individuality, right? You know, be mm-hmm. you, um, you know, live your expression. And while that is something that is, is fundamentally true, is it, it almost breeds this ideal of separatism. Yeah. And um. what I notice most is that us being humans um you know we are we are uh 
creatures of you know um, seeking society and and connection. We're social animals, exactly. And one of the cruelest things that you can do to a human being is you could separate them from the herd and isolate them. Right. And what I see a lot of is people isolating themselves inside yeah. their own mind. Yeah, and yeah. I cannot think of a suffering greater than that. I mean, sure, we could talk about physical torture and all these things, but like, if, if we're just getting down to the root of it, what greater pain is there than being isolated inside of yourself? Mm, mm. That's and a so, deep soul pain. Yeah, absolutely. And so what's the cure for that? The cure for that is learning how to give yourself permission to love yourself and to accept love from others. And mm. while that sounds so simple, right. our trauma loves to get in the way and make yeah. it more complicated than it needs to be. And, yeah, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be, but, but the thing is, is someone has to kind of show you how to open a door if you don't know how to open a door, you could stare at it all day long, trying to figure out the intricacies of the lock and the handle and the framing yeah. and everything. <laughs> and then, and, and then, and then somebody just comes along and they're like, you just turn the knob like this and you push and you're just mind blown because you're like, yeah. how could I have never considered such a thing? <laughs> right. Right. We, we overcomplicate yeah. everything. Right. We make things more complicated. And just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. It still yes. takes effort it still takes things like, as you mentioned before, facing your trauma. Like, how can we accept self-love if we have this deep inner feeling of, of, of lack of self-worth, of, of, of this um, uh, sense of, of self-hatred, right? We have to face that trauma, which can be extremely challenging, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be all that complicated. Oh, and, and, and one of, one of the... Um things that that i feel is is not expressed enough um I, I see this i see this a lot from you know these more new age type metaphysical communities where it's all you know healing is light and love and all this like super positivity and i'm not detracting from that we need mm -hmm. more of that kind of vibration in this world mm -hmm. but what i will say is healing is brutal it's ugly mm. it's messy it's painful it, yeah, it, it's it's not pretty you know yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know the, the raw truth if we're being really blunt yeah. nobody wants to work on their trauma <laughs> right 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 it's um, scary it's um, frightening until they have no other choice <laughs> right it's, but the alternative is far worse yes absolutely absolutely but i think you just said is one of the best quotes of the show is Healing is not pretty. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's also like going back to that disconnection and that sense of, 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 of being separate. That's why one of the things I love to do is bring people together in ceremony and group so that we heal together. And that I find when people work on their healing together, that the, the, the the healing is actually exponentiates because you're doing it with other people and almost all of our trauma is in conjunction with other people. So when the healing is, it helps to release so much more. And when you're connecting with others, 
you're connecting with different expressions of yourself. Mm. Yes, yes. And so you can see sort of the reflection back to you of that aspect of yourself in another person. Exactly. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Sadhu, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, I really appreciate you and the work that you do. Um, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So the best way is you could you could find my my blog, YouTube channel, um, everything that that I have out there at www.thesadhuda.com, and that's mm-hmm. S A D H U. So the Sadhu Da uh, and D A H. And 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 just before we sign off, how did you get the name Sadhu Da, and what does it mean? So Sadhu comes from you know Eastern traditions and. Um, you know, that's, that's a, like a, like a guru, like a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then Da is, uh, is an, an, an old nickname, um, that comes from like, from my family. So my, my grandma, uh. um, would often call me Nikta and, um, it's some term from Zimbabwe. I don't really know what it means, but, uh. <laughs> um, so, and then that just got shortened to Da. And so, um, and then my music and stuff, I adopted Da free as like my music name. And so, uh, you know, Da okay. is just a, the name I go by, but, um, uh. I'm told it means friend in Italian <laughs> <laughs> or no, no, he who gives. So a, a friend who gives. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. Well, Sadhuda, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. It's a pleasure to get to know you. Hey, if you ever make it to New York City, look me up. We'll get together. Will do. I've always wanted to go to New York. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very unique place. It's some it's one of those things I say to everyone. It should be on your bucket list. You got to go there at least once. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in today. Thank you for for listening in, and whether you're listening live or in the restream or on the podcast. And you can find us, of course, on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed today's show, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with your friends and colleagues and people who you think would be interested in in this episode. So please um, don't forget there are all the other great shows on talkradio.nyc later today, 5 p.m. Frank Harrison is doing a show, Frank About Health. He's uh, actually doing a two-hour special tonight. Um, and of course, tomorrow we have philanthropy and focus always Friday and Monday, we kick it off all again with the edge of every day with uh, wonderful Reverend Sandra Bargeman. So thank you all for tuning in. You all take care. We will talk to you next week. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests 
on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.